All right, welcome back to another episode of It Is What It Is podcast. I'm your host, Cody Kelly, connecting me IGCVMK33. I love to just hear from you, engage with you. We are covering a very special topic today uh, when it talks about really moving toward reconciliation and law enforcement, really trying to get a voice from the law enforcement. I have with me a very special friend and guest on the show, Simone Ager. She is in law enforcement. Uh, she has agreed to be on the show, not like I said before, not to speak on behalf of all law enforcement, but as somebody that is their careers in law enforcement, as somebody uh, that puts their life on the line, really wants to be that advocate and that voice of hope and reason. Uh, so if you're here, just welcome Simone Eggers to the show. Simone, how are you doing? I'm doing just fine. I'm so glad to be on the show with you, Cody. Uh, like you said, a, a friend, and I'm just really excited to be on the show to talk about such an interesting topic that's happening so, um, you know, prevalent in the world right now. So I'm excited. I appreciate that. I'm excited to have you. I uh, want to get into it. First off, um, I know that's an awkward space. Yeah. Uh, it's like finding out a relative of yours did something heinous, right? I want to get your thoughts, uh, your initial thoughts when you look at the footage, when you look at uh, George Floyd and Breonna Taylor. You look at Tamir Rice. You look at these historical evidence. We can just keep it to Chicago, just at Fred Hampton. Um, what is your feeling toward this uh, as a law enforcement officer? Um. So first, as like when you watch videos, I'm watching as not a law enforcement officer, but just as a black person. So um, as a as a law enforcement officer, there are there are strategies and things we are learned um, and trained to do um, in situations. And as I look at each one of these videos, um, the Ahmaud Arbery, the uh, George Floyd, like when I look at those videos, I see how things went completely left from what and not saying I'm speaking for everyone that, you know, is in law enforcement, but they're they went completely left of what we were trained to do and how we were taught to communicate and handle crisis situations. So my immediate response was like, this could have went a thousand other diff other different ways. And George Floyd would have still had his life, you know, or Ahmaud Arbery would have still been here today. So, right. yeah, just complete heartbrokenness and sadness. Um, and I, I think any other person could, could feel the same feeling when watching these videos. <laughs> Is it is it awkward? Uh, like you said, when you watch these videos, you're not watching it as as a law enforcement officer. You're watching it as a human being, uh, as a black person specifically. Does it put you in an awkward space uh, because you're both you're you're both cute or really three things, right? Both human, obviously, uh, as a black person, and then as a law enforcement officer. Is there internal conflict uh, somewhere? Cody, yes, absolutely. Um, because you have to look at things from like literally two sides, like just one person you look at, and you obviously are outraged, angry, you know, but you have to think of the possible, well, what if, or what happened prior to, or, you know, what did he do to not cause this, but what, how did the initial situation go down in the beginning? So because I've been placed in a lot of different situations, I know that the outcome is not always how you intended to be, or your initial approach doesn't always go how you want it to go. So um, to me, I'm thinking like, well, what was the first thing that he said? Or um, how did he approach him initially? So I think for me, I have to see things from from being a, a, a human being and a law enforcement officer. And to me, that is a it's it's very conflicting to me. But I I think I've just lost the words because 
I can't. Is it, is it, um, I, I guess what side, and I hate to say it like that, uh, <laughs> but what side wins? I mean, obviously, you know, like you, you stated, uh, you want to naturally give the benefit of a doubt. Right. It's, you want to believe that people are naturally good hearted and that the intent was not there to harm anybody's life. But when you see something continuously happen and repetitively happen, what side at the end of the day sticks to you and say, you know what, whatever I really believe and feel, I know that deep down inside, this is the truth. Um, the only thing like you can't, you, you, there is no way to just choose. You have to go off facts and you have to go off. Every situation is different. So you have to go off the facts of the situation. So there's no right or wrong or, I mean, there is, but there's no way to decide which, which side you want to play. It's go off the facts with this situation with George Floyd. My, like I said, my response was I'm angry. I'm outraged. And then I wanted to get the facts. The facts allowed me to get my feelings to feel how I wanted to feel, which allowed me to go towards, you know, the police, the police officer was completely wrong, you know? So there's no way to decide in that moment, how, you're going to feel or how you're going to approach, how the situation is going to be. But yeah. Totally understand. Totally understand. What are the, the, the word of the day, or I should say the last couple of days has been defunding uh, the, the police. If you speak to uh, those who affiliate themselves with the left, as far as political ideology, uh, defunding the police means uh, serious reformation, uh, reallocating resources to actually initiatives that help minority communities like funding education. So taking a third of their budget, throwing it towards schools and things that it does not mean getting rid of the police. When you speak to individuals who align themselves with the right, defunding the police means to get rid of the police, literally a literal translation. What as a law enforcement agent, if, if, they're allocated or they're or they're or they're presenting this idea of defunding it, what does that say to you? How does that stick? My initial response to uh, hearing about defunding the police, I was I was actually completely against it um, for obvious reasons. But for my specific reason was, well, who's going to like, you know, if something goes down, then what's going to happen? You know, so obviously that's our safety net, our security. You know, people feel they put a lot of pressure on the police officers and law enforcement um, to handle situations or any crisis. Um, but then as I dug deeper into it and started having more conversations with other people, um, I started realizing what defunding the police actually meant, which, like you said, allocating other funds to different parts, like not saying that it could all be under a different umbrella. But, um, for example, if there was a suicide, um, having a specific team respond to that instead of having police officers respond to that situation every time. Um, maybe we can allocate that money to a different program that, or a different um, agency that handles those situations or um, domestic violence. Police officers, they just kind of just want to have the peace, like, you know, just want the situation to be done with. But having somebody specifically trained in that area where they're specifically dealing with those situations. So I think for me, it opened up my, my brain to start thinking more like, think bigger on the grand scheme of things when you mean defunding the police. It doesn't mean to completely get away from policing, but um, not, and not even just allocating more money to trainings either, um, but more so having different agencies, different, you know, people in specific areas to handle more specific, specific events in the world, I guess. Public, public safety in the future. Uh, 
what does that look like? Like you said, if it's handling different apartments, I've, I've really been trying to do a lot of research. And like you said, the police, the law enforcement in general gets called in for every situation, even if it doesn't necessarily fall under their umbrella, because the default mode is to call law enforcement. So if there's a domestic situation is to call law enforcement and maybe possibly so because there could be a life in danger. Uh, but if there's a mental health situation is to call law enforcement and that might not be the appropriate um, uh, vehicle and, and team that should handle that. What does public safety in the future look like? Will there be, will there be uh, teams within teams? Will there be specific agencies for specific things that all of this could fall under maybe one parent org uh, locally or civically? I mean, what does that look like? I can't really speak to that because I'm not sure. Um, but I think the way that we're going right now with the whole Black Lives Matter movement, um, and it doesn't look like it's stopping now, I think that's what the world is pushing towards. And I think that would be, um, in my opinion, a better option for public safety. Um, because if you're thinking about the public safety, it's, you know, the there's not able the police officers are not able to handle every situation effectively and that's the only way we can have effective public safety um so like you said mental health situations the police officers were literally just trained um maybe earlier this year or late last year on mental health so think of how long policing has been you know in the world and they're just now being trained on mental health. So I think for like you said, for the, the grand scheme of public safety, I think um, the, the direction that policing or law enforcement should be going or may potentially will be going in the future um, is to have different agencies under an umbrella, essentially. But I can't really speak to that because I don't know. Is understand. And when it comes to understanding kind of the the concept of policing and kind of how American police uh, forces have been uh, arranged, right, dealing with slave catching and, and just draconian laws and just kind of how it has evolved over time. When you put on that uniform, is there uh, in the culture of of law enforcement, is there uh, conflict? Is there tension? Is there like, no, you're blue? You know what I'm saying? Is there is there something that uh, that we don't see or maybe Hollywood kind of dramatizes over? I like I said, I'm not a police officer. However, I do. I am in law enforcement and I do have to wear a uniform. Um, and that is absolutely correct, which also has me like I'm I feel the most conflicted when I put on my uniform, I should say, um, because there is this under underlying code of, you know, I got you, you got me. Um, and there are those, it's like a few speckle of people who are like, yeah, I got you. However, what you're doing is is wrong. And I think there was a video floating around. I think the woman, she was a police officer and it was Crystal. Um, you hear in the video, the protesting videos, you see her um, correcting another officer, you know, almost like shoving him away from whatever he was doing, which was like, obviously um, a lady was on the ground. He was pushing her away or whatever. Um, so you see her standing up for what's right. And that's very few and far in between. Um, because when those situations happen, when you stick up for what's right, it's almost as if you are shunned or it's like you're one of them and you're supposed to be one of us. So, um, and yeah, so I don't want to get too deep into it because there's a lot of things right. that um, I'm very, I'm very conflicted in certain situations where I've had to stand up for what's right because 
it's very simple to me. What's right is right. And what's wrong is wrong. And understanding mm -hmm. that um, these are people that we are literally here to protect and to serve and to help rehabilitate. We have to be the moral compass for them. Even it, it requires us to be um, extra morally. I don't know the word I'm trying to say, but we have to be extra. So if they're looking to us, then uh, we got to put on our best, best and stand up for them and stand up for right. What's right. I think, I think it's safe to say that there is distrust between communities, right? Um, and maybe this, this distrust has been there and it has grown over time. Uh, what does restoring trust between law enforcement, between communities of color, between black people specifically, what does uh, that look like? Like what, if you can make a, a strategic plan to say, first we do this, Second, we do that. What does uh, restoring trust look like? Um, you know, when you first asked me about this, uh, this podcast um, and talking about reconciliation and um, I guess mending the two, the first thing that came to mind to me was accountability. And I think that is the very first step um, to even move past or move towards anything positive. I think we have to take accountability and acknowledge what is happening so blatantly in our face, which is um, racial injustice. Um, so I think once we get to the point of accountability, then we can build some type of trust, which will eventually help us. Make, actually, there's a step in between that I think accountability and then communication. And somewhere along the lines, there needs to be some compassion. Um, and once we start mending those things and kind of like molding it together, I think that'll be, that'll be a, a safe place for us to mend um, the relationship between the community and the law enforcement. Is there a governing board? I'm, I'm sure like every company has an ethics board. They have an HR department. Uh, my company has an HR department. Mm -hmm. Is there like a HR department uh, for, for law enforcement, you know, that maybe the public isn't aware of? Um, yes. And yes and no. Okay. Yes, um, just for the sake of time. Yes, there is. Um, however, how things are handled and how things are taken up does not directly shoot to HR. You know, as soon as um, in the regular world or when people have other situations, um, there's a complaint and it immediately goes to HR, you know, or, you know, the your supervisor takes it up to HR. Um, I think <laughs> in law enforcement, there's a lot of people in between before you can get to HR that somewhere along the line, things get lost and kind of just like swept away. Um, so yes, there is. Okay. When, and I want to respond to this comment. One of our viewers wrote, what about interracial justice? And maybe this is a fair question. Uh, the argument from the other side is you always highlight police uh, brutality, but over 90, you know, I don't believe what Trump says, 99.9%, .9%, but uh, overwhelmingly majority of, of law enforcement agents are, are good people and don't break the law. What about like black on black crime? Right. Uh, what is your answer uh, to that? Well, <laughs> I guess for me, um, I, I think for me, it is just people are people um, and people make poor decisions and people do poor things. 
make poor decisions every day. And I think, yes, um, black on black crime is a thing, but I don't think it's a, it's something that needs to be highlighted in a way that um, takes away from the attention, uh, the attention of what's really happening here. Um, because you have white on white crime, you have, you know, cultures, all different types of cultures and race do a lot of crimes to each other. So I think um, that is a conversation that needs to be had. Um, but right now, I think the main focus on police brutality is what's really happening, what's capturing the focus, because things, you know, there's a lot of things in between that you can't justify on why somebody would decide to shoot another person. However, but when you have a blatant camera who, that shows a guy kneeling on the, the officer kneeling on someone's neck um, just to get them to comply, I think that's a that's on a grander, that's just a bigger fish to fry to me. Gotcha, gotcha. What, what are, if, like I said, you're in um, law enforcement, what are the appropriate steps? Let's switch places. Okay. Um, you're called to the scene. I realize that might be you're in a different part of law enforcement, but as 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 somebody that upholds the law, you you know have that civic responsibility and duty. Uh, you're called to the scene. You're switching places. What is the normal steps like when a a uh, a person is called or the police are called to investigate somebody who is acting unseemly? What are the steps? What is that from a textbook? What what do they train you on? What do those steps look like? Um, like I said, I can't speak for policing because I've, I'm not a police officer. However, I've been in multiple crisis situations. I've handled, um, multiple crisis situations. And the initial thing is there's always something, something is wrong with the person, right? So there's a situation, there's an incident. Um, then you ask the person kind of like to, for them to give you their, you know, opinion of what happened. Then you gather the facts on what's happening, what's circulating around the area as you call evidence, um, about what's, what the person is saying is happening. Um, and then you kind of, I guess in, in my, in my place, I would just try to figure out how I can best serve this person to get this person to do whatever it is that needs to be happening. So if there's specific situations where, um, somebody was called to the scene because George Floyd, I mean, that's the only, I can only resort back to him because he's, the yeah. top. But he was called. Somebody was called to the scene because apparently he had some counterfeit money. Um, so they called the police on him. Now, instead of the police officer just um, immediately arresting him, maybe if there would have been some conversation or communication between the officer and George Floyd to get an understanding of what took place in George's eyes, and not, <coughs> excuse me, the guy, the store clerk's eyes, um, maybe the situation would have been handled different. So there's a lot of different ways to approach a situation. There's not just a textbook answer of like how to handle a situation. <clears throat> do do you think um, as time progresses that militarization will reduce? Uh, and, and I mean by, I, I'm seeing a lot of talk uh, that you know, we need to equip ourselves with guns and I'm not against guns, not for guns. I have a very neutral stance on guns because it's inherently dangerous or it presents danger, but at the same time, it saves lives. You can't argue the fact that it doesn't. Right. Your feeling about being armed, should citizens uh, be, would you recommend as a law enforcement officer uh, that all citizens uh, possess legal firearms is that something that you would recommend? Absolutely not. Why not? <laughs> Absolutely not. Um, 
especially from somebody who worked in the mental health field, I also believe that just because you are a citizen, um, whew, I just think that <laughs> there needs to be an extensive um, requirement that allows you to have a, not so much extensive, but you need to present some uh, some healthy traits um, in order to possess a gun. I believe so. Um, but speaking to the militarized um, theory of policing, I, I pray that they get away from that. I think they're moving towards that direction, given the Breonna Taylor, Breonna Taylor's um, situation at her home and her right. losing life and with them bursting into her home and, you know, kicking down her door. I think I can't believe if there was recently a petition signed for them to stop that. But um, I, I'm praying that that's the that's the way that they're trying to go. Makes sense. Makes sense. Uh, last, last hard question. I promised you, and I'll let you off the hook. Uh, going forward, um, is this is this a moment or is this a movement? Yeah. And speaking for on the side of law enforcement, because like you said, they're they're good people in every group, right? Mm-hmm. Um, is this something that? Uh, is going to spark this uh, needed transformation. I was looking at the police officer in Atlanta, Georgia. Obviously, you know, the Spellman student, Morale student, uh, was tasered uh, on video, caught on video while the couple in front of him, the white couple in front of him, was allowed to go freely. They were pulled out of the car and arrested, and those two officers have been fired. Is this because this is needed change, or is this just a momentary reaction? I would like to think that this is because it is needed change. Um, I think this moment will forever be a movement. Um, And I believe that what's happening now is, I think these things have always been happening. Um, But now that we have the phone and we have the video, there is more proof to show um, the injustices. So I think that these things are just needed to happen. And I don't think that they need to just... um, happen so quickly that they just like, oh, to pacify um, the situations or the things that's happening. But I, I believe that they're moving in the right direction um, to let policing and to let law enforcement know that they, we have to like keep our cool. We have to, you know, when, when situations get tough, we have to keep our cool and we have to do things in a just way. And the way that situation was handled was just completely outrageous. And the just to watch all four, I, this situation, I don't know why, but I watched all of the body cams and I just watched that situation over and over again. And I'm just like, that could have really been handled a completely different way. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think because people are starting to see, and then you have the body cams, I think um, these things. Makes sense. Are, are you, are you a fan um, of the body cams? Like what, like describe body cams to us. Simone, can you can you hear me? Simone, you're you're breaking up.
All right. I think uh, she's experiencing te some technical difficulties. Um, wait for her for a couple minutes, but definitely loved uh, her responses. Uh, understand where she's coming from. Being in law enforcement uh, is definitely um, a commitment and a, and a civic responsibility. Uh, when she agreed to be on the show uh, to really just, you know, show support and, and realize that, you know, hey, we're not in this by ourselves. Uh, and as a member of the African-American community, as a human being, um, just her uh, just commitment to this, it, she really wanted to support. Uh, I will connect with Simone later. It seems that uh, some of her technology isn't, isn't working correctly. Uh, but I just want to thank her uh, for being on the show. I want to thank her for her responses and the courage uh, that she has showed uh, because it takes great courage. I asked her even before this started, hey, are you sure? Because every you know agency, every organization has their own rules, especially when it comes to social media. Um, and she said, hey, look, I already spoke to my HR department. They're cool. Obviously, I'm speaking for myself and not on behalf of them. Uh, but as a law enforcement agent, she wanted to ensure that you know she could be of service and really educate. Uh, so I'll reconnect with her. Uh, but that was pretty much all the questions I had. Uh, but definitely feel free to reach out uh, to Simone. I'll share her uh, constant or contact information uh, in our post-production videos to be able to connect with her. Uh, but I thank you all for tuning in. And until next time, this has been an episode of It Is What It Is podcast. Thanks.